BabbleBox Hashtag Influencer is back for a new season with fresh perspectives and honest takes from those paving the way. CEO and founder and host Sherry Langbert connects with brands, experts, and content creators alike to discuss hot topics, advertising and industry trends, best practices, and more. On this episode, Sherry is joined by Mike Ahrens, Director of Marketing at Carriage House Imports. Mike works directly with Carriage House Imports regional sales team to develop and implement marketing strategies that benefit both B2B and B2C objectives. You've kind of been at Carriage House Imports since you left college. How does that happen? Well, it's been a long journey. A lot, you know, it's a roller coaster ride like any business. But I started when I was in I was at the Kelly School of Business in Indiana University, and. It was, it was my second semester senior year when you're kind of like looking for a job and pursuing those opportunities. And my, a brother, my brother had a good friend who's in the wine spirits business. And I had got wind that he was looking for a marketing assistant. And at that point, I didn't really want to go to law school or anything else. I wanted to just kind of learn maybe a new industry. Obviously, you know, when you're 21, you know, alcohol is really exciting. You're like, oh, wow, I want to be at the, the booze business. It's not all it's still it's still a business that is is tricky, but I said, I'll learn. And I gave it a shot and I didn't care what I made at the time. I was given an opportunity and worked for peanuts, you know, and, and Todd Carp and the Carp family who owned carriage house gave me an opportunity. And I kind of just kind of built the marketing department or worked my way up in the marketing department, so to speak. That's amazing. And you have, you know, two great brands under your umbrella. So could you tell me about Figenza and Verdi Sparkletini? Of course. So Verdi is our, you know, flagship brand. Uh, Steve Carp, who's the owner of the company, introduced Verdi in '93. It's been around for over, you know, almost 30 years. He expanded into a Sparkletini flavor portfolio. It's an imported Italian Spumante from Northern Italy in Canelli, Italy, and it is, you know, it is a value price sparkling, but it is an in an elegant package. Started out as a banquet type product with Verdi going to a lot of catering halls in New Jersey and New York, and then it expanded into you know key account retail, you know big box chains. But it really started here. You know, people go to weddings and have Verdi and be like, Where, "What is that stuff? That was great, semi sweet, light, refreshing. It has a resealable core closure, which was is patented, so it keeps the sparkle in the bottle for seven days." And it became popular into a really viable business. And then using that platform with Verdi, he was able to expand into other brands that we've tried, but one really stuck. And that is our partnership with a Bain in Germany, um, Bain Liqueurs and Rudiger Bain. And we developed a, he had a fig vodka that he had in Europe that we said, well, let's premiumize it and let's make it beautiful. And let's, let's, figs are a beautiful fruit and there's yeah. a huge Italian contingency and Greek contingency. So let's use those Mediterranean fruits and create a beautiful package. And he did just that. We've had a few iterations of the package, but Figenza is kind of like my baby. Cause you know, Verdi was here before me. I just, you know, feel like I'm part of the ride. Figenza is, is my journey, you know, and that's, you know, what we really are focusing on. And we are coming even out with a sister brand after a decade of working with this project, we're coming out with a sister brand, but we're- What in is it? I can't tell you yet. It's going to- uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be another a region of the world. Like, the, you know, Figenza is a Mediterranean fig vodka. And Can I say pomegranates? Can you do pomegranates? So I'll say this. We are in the- So the reason why Figenza is so successful and we have a cult following is we're the only, we were the first to market. 
you know, as a mid-tier company to go out and just, you know, Palma already exists and there's other pomegranate products to go out and replicate that is not our strategy. Our strategy is to build something that is unique, something that never, no one's ever tried. And that's why Fig, and we made a delicious product, I, I will say. It's awesome. It's, it's, awesome. it's versatile, it's tasty, but the sister brand is also gonna have the same elements. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna appeal to people who are like, wait, I've never had that. So that will be, if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you'll, you'll start to see, we're going to do, a, we'll do something there to promote it. And hopefully by the summer, we'll have it live. I mean, a, right now it's full-time job getting that up and running, but we've already That's wild. decided on a package, decided on the, on the taste profile. But Figenza, going back to that brand, doing very well, 24 markets, you know, built it on premise with cocktails and then organically building the off-premise, which is, you know, retail in our industry and it's organic. I mean, to see that is very hard. It's not easy in our industry. You have big players who can knock you off shelves and, and do certain things to, to, you know, make it prohibitive to build a brand like Figenza, but people like it. And that's why we're here. Awesome. So. And I remember that you were one of my first partners and you trusted me like 10 years ago and you sponsored an event with Figenza. Do you remember anything about that event or that evening? It was bloggers, so it wasn't influencers or creators. <laughs> wasn't it? Okay, so I do have to ask a few questions. It was, yeah, that was our first meeting, which is really cool because I really, as, as, as it pertains to events, it was a really great event. It was, at that point in time, I think we talked Hi. about it. It was small and I wanted small because we have done these big trade shows and you get no mind share with big trade shows. So this small event really... And it was all women. I think it was single women. You were doing the single thing. Single women. Match.com. It was match.com. Match okay. So there was some dating element to it, right? But the the value was the intimacy, the room, the you know, it was we did we did special cocktails. One of the first events where we really honed in our craft cocktail concept. Yeah. You know, at that point in time, we were like so fixated on just getting into like these highbrow accounts in, in, in New York. And I'm gonna tell you, we lived and learned. That was not our, that's not our approach today, you know, and that type of event showed me like, wow, we really need to be going back to the basics, whether it's a fig Cosmo, you know, before the, you know, the Mediterranean mule, which is our, our flagship for Figenza. Right. And but, the mules didn't really, no one knew about a mule back then. No, that's the thing. But like, but like it allowed me to like, I guess we, what do we, what do we serve? Fig Cosmo, maybe the sun kiss, which was, which is muddled orange um, and Figenza, but the, 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 the demo that you brought to the table was like eye-opening. I'm like, wow, she knows you are, you are the, the middleman to that demo. That is what brought me back today. You know, the platform we're looking to, to promote Figenza and Verdi, which is, you know, and, and then you've expanded since then, but just seeing what you were, what were you able to do on a smaller scale was excellent. Thank you. Do you foresee going back to events? Like what's happening with events? It's a great question. You know, Listen, listen, we could do all the marketing. We were going to talk digital on this call, but it's all always about liquid to lips. Okay. You know, you can't, I didn't, Figenza didn't get built because I did, I, I showed purple pretty bottles online. That's just a supplement to building these yep. brands. It's all about liquid to lips. Do I know what the conversion rate at, at events are? Of course not. Do I like data? We all do. But the reality is if you don't do the tastings in the stores, if you don't do, you know, the events and, 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 and they don't have to be every event, you know, I get, solicited for food and wine shows left and right. We love the food and wine show in New York. We did, we did it for many, many years. 
it's exhausting, but it's worth it because you get a lot of people all over who are like, where can I get this? Where can I get this? Where can I get this? So the events will come back, but we're very, I'm very specific with the events. I'm not just going to do every event, you know, a beer festival makes no sense. You know, a barbecue festival makes no sense for us, you know, but these may be a boutique spirit festival, or there's certain ones that, that do make sense for at least give us some brand exposure. So yeah, events are important. Now, during COVID particularly, I mean, I know in my neighborhood, I'm looking out the window, everyone was like drinking and driving and not drinking. And- yeah, no drinking. Drinking and, and, and gardening and like, you know, eight in the morning. So obviously alcohol sales spike through the roof. How are you dealing with that demand? I mean, it, for us, it was cyclical, you know, like that. I mean, not cyclical because it was a, a unique anomaly in a sense, but it was a year of inflated s- sales, which made it actually harder for us to predict uh, supply chain issues. We had a big supply chain issue. I'll give you an example. In last year with Figenza, we had to airship. You, you know, everyone's been reading about the containers stuck at the ports. Yeah. Well, we, we were an importer. We had to deal with that. We have a whole logistics department that deals with containers coming off of uh, multiple ports being, you know, shipped to port, waiting at port, then going through customs and then disseminated through a trucking system. Again, it's a very, it's very elaborate and it's very complex. I mean, obviously there's added costs and you're dealing with all that, but we realized with Figenza, even though we were going to take a loss on it, we had to, we had to airship, I think three containers. So we did three flights from, 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 I think Munich or Hamburg to, to Newark that were all, So you can only imagine the expense of a cargo, you know, Holy cow. you know, bottles are, you know, so that that was a unique circumstance, but it was also a good learning. You know, we had to invest. We partner. You know, we split the cost, but you know, with our partner, and it was something we said we got to eat it. We got to deal with it because guess what happens when you when a brand like Figenza is not available? Yes. You know, not that there's other. You know, not that there's many other fig vodkas out there that were. There are replacement parts, and it's any other spirit is a replacement part. So right. if, you're, if, if you go in and you're not on the cocktail list and you're out of Figenza, they'll just pull you off the list. I mean, some accounts are, we have good relationships with them. So they're going to, they're going to maintain that relationship with us. They don't, they know what's going on. They're aware, but at the same time, they need to make money and they need to have a versatile cocktail list. And if we're not, if we're not available for order, you know, it's a problem. So fortunately we're only out of stock for a few months in certain markets, but it was made, it was very problematic last year. And I'm so glad we did ship those containers because it maintained those relationships. And now we are on a better ordering pattern, but they, those supply chain issues still exist. And, not gone. and that demand was great. It was, it, it was a blessing in 2020, but it became a detriment a little bit in 2021. And you, everyone's seen the numbers, how everything was you know, consumer right, good right. in 2020. But 2021 was not, you know, there was, there was a rebound and there was a lull. So it wasn't all you know, in, even in our industry, it wasn't all just like butterflies and flowers, you know, <laughs> like so. it never is. Right. No, never. Um, in terms of that, like, did you do anything? Like I know from us, like a lot of brands were like, could you do virtual tastings? Can you do, you know, surprise and delight kids? Did you do anything to kind of go virtual that you never thought you would have done and got catapulted into this space? Yeah, are you talking about in 2020 specifically? Anything like in the past two years, just since things have so just we've never done virtual tastings with consumers. We have we have presented to wholesalers, which is by the way, our wholesalers are our are our customers. I mean, that's the yeah. component. The you know, it's a three-tier system. We're at the top of the food chain. We sell to wholesalers and then wholesalers sell to to the retail network and, yeah. and uh, restaurant network. Um 
you know, with that said, is we had to do virtual general sales meetings, which was always, oh, right, right. you know, like right. this, this is, this is the norm now, right? So yeah. general sales meetings then became virtual. So we did that. Consumers, we actually didn't do a lot of the tasting stuff. I mean, it, you know, we thought about it and I think that is in our future to, to, we were still trying to, we're still trying to take the temperature. We're but, that gap. But yeah, yeah, absolutely want to like be more, and that's where you come to play, like to be more uh, involved with our consumers via organic influencer marketing. But as far as our distributors go, we we have done, we did, we did a live, we do happy hours with our team now virtually more than yeah. ever, and we do happy hours with our with our wholesale partners, so they feel involved, and and we we actually like sent a like we'll send a gift box to our wholesale teams, craft spirit teams. And they'll do an unboxing and then we'll have all the ingredients and we'll do the mule. We'll do the fig Cosmo and we'll do a, a the, you know, the fig lemonada, which is, you know, lemonade figenza, but, but we give them all the ingredients in advance. So when they appear on the screen and they give us that 40 minutes of their time, everything's in front of them. Now we're going to be doing that with the customer as well. And maybe, you know, now that we lit up an e-com platform and now that we have your partnership, you know, full speed ahead, you know, giving our core customers, the 10 of them, a live virtual with a new cocktail and we'll send them kits is totally on our radar. It's a great idea. So you just brought up several times influencers and we're going to talk about alcohol and influencers. There's a lot of regulations. What are some of the most challenging regulations that you feel you need to, you know, kind of have check marks in place before working with influencers? I mean, there's a lot of things on like just the the very obvious ones, the drinking and driving under 21, you know, like we did a campaign, not with you. And it was like, you know, some, someone was a lumberjack, like, and he was like, hold it. And there was an ax and like, we couldn't use the photo. Like he's drinking and there's an ax next to him. So, yeah, I mean, you're not going to see any, we're very, I mean, we, we are by, we, we are by the book in that sense. So we don't, you know, we stay very neutral on political, you know, we don't get involved with politics. We're a brand, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, it's about the, the branding, the taste profile, the origin, the story, but also fun and fun. You know, I don't think weapons and dry, drinking and driving are fun. I think fun is like right. a backyard barbecue. That's very, you know, something like that. But you could still be outside the box, you know, people, no dress, you know, costumes and stuff. But, 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 you know, with, with, with alcohol, you do have to be careful. For instance, I like, I do like doing on, on social media giveaways and gift cards and stuff. That's where things get, you know, I can't give away bottles. I can't give away samples. I can't, that type of stuff. Like where other people are like, yo, free. If, if I sold sneakers, I can give away a free pair of sneakers. And the first 10 people that respond get 10 free pairs of sneakers. That engagement's lost. So the only thing I can really do or, or companies like us, there's, you know, you could do gift cards to, to support accounts. You could do gift cards to support restaurants and retailers. That type of thing is on our radar. Or you can give away, you know, cocktail vehicles. What, you know, what I'm referring to is, you know, martini glassware, branded, right. you know, the branded merch that branded everyone wants for their, for their bar. But as far as, I actually kind of follow your lead a lot of, the, a lot of times. I, there's things I think I could do. And you're like, well, I wouldn't do that. So I'm still TikTok? Yeah, well. The interesting thing about TikTok, I would like to talk to you about this is, and I'm happy to give them a plug. They're, they have 2 million followers on TikTok, so they don't need a plug. But the Johnny Drinks is, a, was a, you know, John Rondi and, and his father built a great platform to, that is a, it is a universal platform to sell, uh, you know, they have their own whiskey and they have, they, they, and they've 
supported brands and partnered with many, many brands organically. But the reality is like, they're doing it in a, in a benign way. They're doing it in a very low level way, but TikTok, you can't as a brand advertise. You can't as a brand. As a brand, I can't have a page. But influencer partnerships are still totally viable. And I think that's okay. I mean, he's he's a great example of, you know, he's done live feeds, he has his own products and he's and he's marketing them and he's showing how cocktail, he's making it, he's making it friendly. But that's like, fun. But you as the advertiser couldn't yeah. technically, it's still a gray line and we wouldn't, you couldn't pay him yes. to go on TikTok because there's too many young people. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't actually understand. I mean, if they just had an age gate like Facebook and, and Instagram, I mean, they could just do this. I mean, I'm assuming they're, I think, I mean, I think it's going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months. Right. That's well, what yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, they're leaving a lot of money on the table as a, as a, yeah. a social media platform, you know, it, they are, they got a young demo. So everyone's excited and juiced up about it, but I'm on there looking at do-it-yourself projects. I mean, there's plenty of 21 plus people on there now. So they just have to figure out a way to age gate it like every, everyone else is doing. They will. Yeah. And, I mean, do you agree with that? What's your take? Yeah, no, I agree. I just think that, you know, there's a fine line between saying, okay, if, if, if this Johnny Drinks just took Vaganza and did it himself, that's fine. But for you to go and pay him, it's still as not a brand. Allowed. I can't do it. Yeah, as a, as a brand, I have to be very careful on how. Yeah, we can't. I mean, they, it has to be organic, you know, hundred yeah. percent. But as as a brand, you know, I thought about it. Like in the next six months, I want to have my, a TikTok page, but I can't do that. I can't have one that says "very sparkling" or "sparkle right. to me." I can't have one that says "Faganza," right? At least I don't think so. I can't have a branded page. I mean, can you I? could go on as yourself and just, you know, right. Yeah, I can go on myself and just show bottles of Figenza, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and, but as far as TikTok, I think it's a huge asset and um, it, is. it is the future and they're going to change the laws. So, so you're like a little bit like um, very particular with your influencer selections. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, it's a good dig. It's a really good, I think it was awesome, but I want to understand like how you got so knowledgeable and so passionate about everyone should be like you with your passion. Well, it's a process, right? So my position in this company as a director of marketing is if I'm given a budget, I'm going to spend it like it's my money. Okay. I don't care if it's a thousand bucks or 40,000 or a hundred thousand. Right. So if I'm going to spend it like my money, Am I going to spend it on 20 influencers I really believe in? I'm sorry. Or am I going to spend it on 10 and then 10 maybes, you know, 10 that I'm like, eh, well, I'm just lazy and I don't really want to go through the work. And then, you know, as our first campaign, if I get the 20 that I really believe in, I'll be able to make a better decision the next time we partner than if I did, if I took 10 that I was uneasy about. That's the way I looked at it also. I'm like, well, how is this going to be a good trial if I don't give it a really good shot? you know, with the 20 that I really believe in, you know? So for that, going through the process of analyzing engagement likes and, you know, reading through the follow-up and seeing what they posted over the last two months and where they're going with their pages and their- it was Awesome. It was, it was yeah. amazing to see someone- And obviously, I, I was just saying that as a joke, because I know that I made you guys a little crazy going back and forth, but there is a method to the madness- because again, and I want to reiterate, and I'm sure it's clear to anyone, if, if anyone would listen to this from our industry, understands that 
we're a mid-tier company. I mean, we're, we're, are, you know, we don't have, we have unlimited budgets. Right. Yeah. We're, we have to, we're incubators. We're doing things the right way. And people with bigger budgets let, or loosey goosey, probably just doing influencer campaigns and the next, you know, just throwing money at people, you know, is that great for their bottom line? They may not impact them at all. No one will ever see it. The CFO doesn't say a thing. Here, we're evaluating every spend to make sure it's, it goes the distance or gives us enough information to make the next decision better. Okay. And so how does, do you think influencer marketing, forget our campaign, but how do you think it impacted? Like, well, how did it help you? It, 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 I think it's all brand awareness and repetition. So do, do, did I like the next week see like sales go through the roof? Of course not. I mean, this, you're only talking to the 20 influencers. Uh, do we get a lot of eyeballs and impressions? And was there some good organic view? Was I able to share that on our page? Of course, those are the things I'm paying for. We're paying for right. Or those are the, that's the partners you want to make. You want to humanize the brand. That's the way to humanize it as well. Giving some other personalities as part of it. We could humanize our own brand on our own page, right? Like, but it's our narrative. When you give narrative to 20 other people, then you start building like a collective, like, like environment and more than just humanizing just the brand, it becomes a community. And I can't tell you that the next week we saw impact, like followers spiked and all these things. I, I can say that doing it several times a year, and I think we have a campaign coming up next week where it's more of a co-op campaign, but I'm excited about that. Mixing it with co-op and doing your own proprietary box is so, and by the way, the boxes you guys do are phenomenal. I, I, I mm -hmm. bought a few extras and they, that presentation and seeing it also premiumizes the brand, even though we're a six, six ninety nine product sparkling wine, you know, it still humanizes, you know, the, the, I guess the brand in a way where like they got it as a gift. Oh my God. Wait, I got a gift during the holidays. <laughs> like it was like this beautiful gift. And people were like, whoa, what is that? It's colorful. It's got that rainbow effect. So the impact is still long-term. I mean, it lives on their sites. And, and you know, we hope that it's a more brand awareness play versus direct, you know, sales play. Yeah. I think the video assets alone are a whole asset in themselves. Because as we talked about before, you could reuse all those assets yeah. Um, across social, and they all spoke to different audiences. So they're appealing to all different, you know, types of consumers. That's right. So when it comes to alcohol too, and I don't think we did this, we kind of did demos, more behavioral um, and psychographic, but geo-targeting, like for you, I think like with Fagenza, a large part of your footprint is New Jersey. How does geo-targeting come into play for you with, with influencers? You know, generally, like, so like you mentioned for and I'm going to, let's park that for one second. Birdie's a little different. We have full distribution in 48 states. So it's easier to kind of pick every, you know, every influencer anywhere. We do have areas and types, you know, personalities that we like, but I think with Figenza, you know, it kind of the same thing still does apply because influencers attract people, you know, a Southern influencer could attract someone on the East coast. And we're still trying to expand and get people to talk about figs and fig vodka and, you know, but at the same time, time you want to fish where the fish are right and our fish is figenza being in stores and being available and if people see it they'll also make that relationship you know they'll make that connection and i think um it doesn't it's i've communicated to you how important it is to me but at the same time i feel though 
it, it's it, that's the whole the beauty of digital and influencer relationships is it's broad. I mean, it can, you can reach someone in Montana, you can reach someone in North Carolina. And you can the reach- other thing too is the boosting, right? So if you get an influencer and you know that she's in New Jersey, but going on top of that and allocating the media dollars to boost, you could literally boost, I'm trying to think about alcohol, but you could boost to people just in specific markets. Yeah, yeah that's a huge component. That in 2022 is going to be a huge part of our digital marketing push is going to be doing more, you know, targeted ads, but utilizing some of the influencers. I, me creating a video or, I mean, obviously everyone commercial is great and, you know, we know our narrative and we know the branding, but having someone organically with a video kind of pushing, you know, the the story and what we're trying to do with the sparkle teeny flavors, which are so- They're are, amazing. Yeah. I mean, and they're colorful and they're fun and they, you know- with all that said, I think working with influencers and boosting and advertising with them is a, is a priority this year versus just doing static and even doing my own videos of like, you know, you know, a, a bottle like dancing around. Like, <laughs> that's, like <laughs> that's, that's like, that's like the, that's, that's, that, that's an old method. So you working with these influencers and, and, and being partners with them because then they take ownership too. Well, we loved one of the, I mean, we all love that one influencer. So maybe at the end of this podcast, we could somehow figure out how to integrate that video into yeah. this now that we're on video. Sure. Um, Cause it was great. And it seemed like it was like a paid for like huge commercial. Like it, it was, was awesome. like a whole, I mean, I mean the amount of effort and thought that went into it. That's what I also look for in, in, in the, in the follow-up. Like <laughs> everyone did a great job. Every influencer that you found did an amazing job, but there was a few that took it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. even one of them was willing to give away a gift card to their local retailer. It's like she was, th- th- this this girl was so engaged and she did multiple outfits and, and it was like multiple stories and, and that type of commitment to partnering that just shows like she cares about her job and her, her yeah, yeah, her followers like mean something to her and she had a lot. Like, right. you know, and like, but I just felt that was that, that type of stuff, that type of energy. Cause I, I have that energy. So I, I get it. Like, I look for that. So my last question, which I always ask, uh, name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. <laughs> oh my God. I'm uh, scared to know your answer. No, I mean, well, let me, let me make a blanket saying it. First of all, uh, I follow a ton of people that I wouldn't even call like they're, they're not guilty pleasures because I'm in the business. So I have to, I just follow them. Like it's not, it's not even like that. I guess my guilt for personal, I think you're asking is more one. as a, you know, as a, I'm a big, um, I'm a big fish fan, which is a, a jam band that I've been seeing for over 20 years of my life. And there's a lot of micro influencers within the scene that I, you know, they may have 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000. And they're all like nerd. They're like, they're like really smart people, but they're like, they're nerded, nerding out for a band. And, but I still follow them. And they, they give me my tour dates before they come out. They give me my uh, updates, oh my you know, they get me my, I, I know when things are going to get canceled because of COVID before they come out. I mean, it's a whole, it's a, it's a, it's a, a it's like a whole underworld. Like the whole, you know, it's like anybody, it's like, you know, could anyone, people have that with video games and, but bands are common, you know, people, you know, there's, you know, whether it's Lady Gaga, Metallica or a band like Fish, I mean, they're big, but, but the underground, you know, uh, 
you know, seen in, in the Twitter, you know, fish Twitter is, is a, a guilty <laughs> pleasure. And if I told you how many of these people I followed, probably like 40 or 50, and I, I probably have a, a Twitter hashtag just for it. That's a guilty pleasure. And I'm proud of it because it does provide entertainment for me outside of work. So I don't always have to think about the booze business, <laughs> you know, awesome. but that's, that's awesome. the thing, but everyone needs that, right? Everyone needs that. I think, you know, segment of their life that has to be separate. You can't be, you need a balance and, yeah. and everyone needs a hot, you know, you know, and, and sports of course, but that's not a good, everyone's, everyone follows, you know, the big you know, sports um, writers and stuff like that. I am a big, by the way, I am a big proponent of Twitter. I love Twitter from an informative standpoint. I'm not really sure how it would equate with our business. I know it's, you know, where that's going, but that is a conversation I'd like to have with real events. Twitter's awesome for in-person real events up to the minute. Yeah. I love so, yeah. I mean, a lot of information. I think it's game changing. A lot of people don't respect Twitter as much as I agree. But I mean, there's so much information on there and I know I'm going. A little it's bit up to the minute. It's the only thing that's really up to the minute. Up to the minute. I mean, news stories, you know, I, I just, it's been, it's, especially with this COVID thing and everything kind of, it also, you know, like, like social media, everyone dig, you know, everyone digs on it saying, you know, it's, it has a negative impact. I mean, you got to look at the positives of all of it, you know, I mean, all the good it's done connecting people, old friends and raising money and things like that. I think people forget about, and everyone's like, well, you know, this guy, it's bullying. That, that is a, a whole issue. Right. You know, but not that it's all social media. There's good in all of it, right? It's connected us. It's made life easier. It's brought people together. It's saved lives. So yeah, on that know. note, I would like to say that for our industry, and I know it's in one of the talking points, uh, we've never had as a company, I've never had an opportunity to directly impact a customer like I can now. Uh, obviously, social media has been around now, but now we're also available. Ecom is developing. And we have our own e-com platform with Figenza, and we're going to be building one for Verdi. Being able to sell and directly work with third-party retailers to directly market and sell our brands directly. I, I don't have to worry about a billboard on, route, on, 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 the, on the turnpike working, you know? I, I mean, I don't have to work. I don't have to worry about uh, that billboard. I, I have no idea. I don't know what the conversion rate is, but I do know that email marketing and all the things, all the things that have been around for years and we're in an antiquated industry is finally catching up to our industry. You know, you still need to sell through retails. You, they, the retailer still needs to be involved because it's the regulations, but now being able to work directly and targeting with social media, you know, following the do's and don'ts, but doing it. No it, access. It, it, we have access now. We and and you know, I mean, I can't afford a Super Bowl ad. We got the Super Bowl coming up. I can't. You know, we're not we're not a big. You know, we're not going to be able to just do commercials. Uh, you know, during the Olympics. You know, that's not our lane. So where can we, as a mid tier company, we got to go to the low hanging fruit? I want to target someone. You know, long. You know, Metro New York. You know. Ital you know, Italian immigrants who've had fig trees in their backyards. Those are the people who may or may not really want Figenza. They want, they want Figenza. You know, that would be the low hanging fruit. Go to the, you know, Greek restaurants with Greek, Greek and figs and stuff like that. Like, like I can now target that demo and say, Hey, we're here. You know, like, they're like, wait a minute, wait, I've been, I love figs. You know, I, I, I had a fig tree. Everyone that like, that we hear from, I had a fig tree in my backyard. Well, I'm not going to target the fig people with fig trees in their backyard. I couldn't do that with a billboard. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I can you have a, 
I could put a <laughs> on a billboard and hope for the best to be there, you know, <laughs> like, like actually going into their feed and like working with, you know, chefs and stuff. I don't know, there's just like a lot of, of more. There's so much you could do. Channeling it in and being more targeted. I mean, now you, everyone's heard that. It's cliche to say, but you have to, everyone needs to realize in our industry, it's antiquated. We have an antiquated three-tier system. You, you know, every state, since prohibition. Different laws control the every state's own laws and, and there's control states the government runs and there's you know independent markets where it's more independent and there's franchise markets and there's and there's walmart chain driven markets you know like it's just it's can it can be daunting for young young little brands but as a company that's been through the mud on that you know we're incubators and we have fun with it because we're real and we're honest and we we just do the work that's the thing. We're going to every account. We cold call and with digital marketing as a huge asset to us, we can now also, if a great restaurant in New York has a cocktail on the menu, we could do one like, hey, we'd love to promote your drink. We'd love to put it on our figgens. Yeah. Love, you and know, you could cross promote. Why don't we do a bartender feature and we're going to promote your, we want to, we want to be part. It allows us another angle to partner with our right. Our, our on-premise restaurant accounts that in, in right. a way that we've never been able to do before. So, well, I think everyone's like now catching up. I think the past two years, especially have just rapidly advanced everyone. Especially in our industry with D2C, reservebar.com. Yeah. We just onboarded with them with Figenza. I mean, they're like the kind of corporate gifting bourbon look, mm -hmm. but they're expanding rapidly. I mean, that this is happening. I mean, D2C is happening. Drizzly, oh, obviously, yeah. everyone knows that's on demand. Right. We partner with Onverdi with GoPuff now. We're expanding store locations with GoPuff, which is going to be huge. I mean, that's on-demand delivery, younger demo, all these things. And those are the digital marketing plays that I'm going to work with, talk to you about after this call, about how we can partner, <laughs> work with them and, and, and work on an influencer campaign with GoPuff. You know, like that stuff I want to talk to you about. So that's where my head's at. Well, you are awesome. I love your energy and your passion. Like I kept saying to my team, if everyone had Mikey's passion, I would hire all of them. Well, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Love I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, you got to love what you do, but you also have to, you know, you got to put in the work. And, and, and I think that if you, I really believe, I mean, uh, Figenza is like a baby to me. You know, I was here from the beginning. Well, I mean, Verdi is obviously really important too, but Figenza it's, itself, seeing the progress, going through the bottle development and the liquid and building the sister brand. I mean, that's, I mean, it's an opportunity. You, know, you don't get this opportunity often where you could be a part of yeah. something new at such a smaller level, you know, but there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a riskier proposition because yeah. we're smaller, but at the same time, we have a really good blueprint and we have a great team here. Like, I can't say that enough. We have a great uh, team here at Carriage House now. And, and, and I think we could do a lot of great things. So that's awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. I think yeah. it's a new flavor. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's um, gonna be, we're going to, it's a sister brand. It's not a, a line. We, 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 you know, it's, it's part of the Figenza family. It's not like, right. it's not going to be like jalapeno fig or something like that. It's going to be something <laughs> different, but a, a di we're, you know, different region of the world. But like okay. this, and this is going to be a different region that you've never had before, but it's going to be great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Keep us posted. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we will be speaking soon. Yes. Thanks, Sharon. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Hashtag Influencer. To stay up to date on latest episodes, topics, and trends, hit that subscribe button. You can find our current and past episodes on our website, Apple and Google podcast channels, as well as Spotify. This is Hashtag Influencer.